Hello and welcome to Series 3 of our Weekend Cumbria podcast. This series is supported by Cumbria County Council. I'm Jenna Sutherland and I'll be your host once again. I'm the manager of the Weekend Project at ICANN Health and Fitness in Carlisle. In this series, I'm going to be inviting some more real local people to share their health and wellbeing experiences and expertise in authentic and open conversations with me. Real people telling their own stories in their own words. This is episode four, and today we're welcoming back a guest from series one. Lisa Birdsell joined us for episode 11 in series one to talk to us about being bereaved by suicide. Today we're welcoming Lisa back to talk about the work she's been doing raising awareness. Hello Lisa. Hi Jenna. (laughs) So uh, for anybody that wants to listen to Lisa's journey, her her why, that's what you like to call it don't you, Um, they can go back and listen to episode 11 of series one. We won't go over it too much today because that's been done and we really want to focus on the amazing work that Lisa's been doing in the last 18 months. Oh, you say amazing and it kind of gives me a bit of, I don't know, um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it always does. But I'm going to say it again. The amazing work that Lisa's been doing for the last 18 months and you should be very proud of yourself. We're all very proud of you. Me and Lisa are friends as well for anybody that doesn't already know that. Um, we're friends, neighbours. She used to be my hairdresser. So we, we do have a, a, a very good relationship. So she's here and I'll make sure I keep her safe today. Thank you, as so, always. So t- tell us a little bit more about the work that you've been doing. I know we touched on the on the last episode that you have been receiving amazing support from your employer, which actually we just touched on on ep- the episode before this one as well with Becky Towns um, and talking about how crucial that, that can be. But how crucial has it been for you? Um, absolutely massively crucial because um, it's... It's really difficult, um, kind of touch on slightly um, for anybody who hasn't listened to episode 11 already. um, I have, um, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2014. um, And I've always kind of had some struggles with my mental health, Mm. but it was nice to get um, a, a full on answer as to, you know, what the, those issues were in a treatment plan in place. Um, but work after that for me was I was a bit of a job gypsy mm-hmm. um, as my husband used to call me um, I, I I never really stuck anywhere because I, I really didn't feel like I fit in mm. um, because I was always really open mm. about you know my, um, my my issues so you do get that um, standoffish yeah. Um, approach and sometimes you feel like it's it's there's maybe a bit of paranoia in mm. there and it's maybe in your own head um but after you've kind of had that judgment upon you so many times it becomes the norm for you so the um I work for the Cumberland Building Society now and um I know it's a bit of a, a jump from being a hairdresser to actually working <laughs> in a you know a financial institution. It wasn't exactly a jump, Lisa, <laughs> it was a journey. It was, let's be honest. Okay, it was a journey. Um but uh but yeah, um and I didn't disclose mm. um when I got that job with them. I Why not? In in the in that initial what what was your reasons? Can you remember why? Because I wanted them to see me as a person, not as an illness, mm. because that's what 
you know, I'd experienced in the past with my two previous, um, the two previous companies that I worked for. Mm. Um, so you kind of, you, you do, I won't say kind of, you do get treated differently um, from the bounce um, when people know from the bounce yeah. before they get to actually know who you are as a person and that's why. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd been there just over a year before I disclosed and I was um I was forced my hand was forced to yeah. disclose, shall we say, because um I don't take any medication for um my bipolar disorder anymore. I used to um and it really didn't it didn't affect me in the best way. So I use a different treatment plans. I use, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. I use mindfulness and talking therapies, mm. which, you know, have worked wonders for me. Um, but also what's worked wonders is that my job and the people that I work with just ex- accept me for, mm. for who I am. So for, at that point when you did disclose, remind me but was that because you were having a particularly overwhelming mental health experience and you, when you say you were forced to was that the reason so I um I fractured my coccyx when I was 17 and I got put on some um like on treatment plan they are used as an antidepressant mm-hmm. um but they can be used as like a nerve blocker as mm-hmm. well um, so I got put on those and the doctor said to me, because I'm unmedic- because you're unmedicated, because when you have bipolar disorder, you can't have an antidepressant without um, something else balancing mm-hmm. it out because it affects the chemicals, how the chemicals react in your brain. Um, and he says it might make you a little bit manic. So obviously, like, and I don't, I, I don't always know when that's happening to mm-hmm. me. The people around you do, though. The people around me do, um, but I sometimes I do, but I can't, you know, know for sure whether mm. I'm going to know or not. So I knew I had to disclose to my line manager, and I did. And I thought, oh, here we go, the bomb's going to drop, and, and that's going to be, you know, the end to this. It's really, really mm. nice career that I've been been working towards. and. It kind of went the opposite way, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting. Yeah. But it was it was an absolutely lovely, you know, surprise. And I've just been I've been welcomed with open arms for, um, and and really celebrated. Yeah. I, I would say for I think celebrated's a really good word to use as well because I yeah. feel like you have been celebrated for all that you are, and then you've used that to celebrate other people as well. I think it's amazing how they've supported you to to be able to do that. Yeah, because they've supported me to be brave enough to carry on talking about Mm. it, which then has a domino effect for other people who Mm. may be struggling in the workplace. And we've we've had other people who have maybe come to me and said, I'm struggling with X, Y and Z. Um, You know, I've heard your story. Do you have any kind of words of wisdom for me? Mm. Which, you know, if it's just going to open that conversation up, then that's that's the beginning of of everything for for most people who that that that's the starting point yeah. that they need. That's what I all I'm always banging on about it, and I just starting conversations, and that's really what what the weekend's kind of whole project is about in in one way, shape, or form. So we've got the podcast where we're starting conversations. People can listen to that in their own homes and possibly never ever contribute to that conversation, but they're hearing it. 
Um, but also we have our support groups where people can come along and start that conversation and sit with other people who are sharing similar experiences as them. And also people who are sharing completely different experiences to them, but they're learning about that then. And I think you were only going to do that by having the conversations. We're not all the same. We're not all experiencing things in the same way, but we can still listen to each other. I think it makes you appreciate people and struggles a, a lot more. Mm. And um, so Becky, who was on your pre- on your last podcast episode, I used to work with Becky. She used to mm. work with me, and we were both um, in the mental health champion team together. Um, and I just and I know I've said this to Becky um, personally that if the project that she's running now if that had been in place Mm. in 2014 you know I know it would have helped me massively I wouldn't have had this kind of gap where I I felt lost Mm. um and I really didn't know what to do do you disclose don't you I don't didn't know what jobs to look for you know what that that's that sort of thing and I think like dipping your toe into volunteering is a lovely bridge into Mm. employment yeah, there's more information about that Step Forward project, by the way, on episode three, which is the episode just before this one, um, a new project that's running in Carlisle that helps people with mental health experiences get back into employment and volunteering. It is so important. And and also they're doing amazing work helping employers to be able to support people as well, which, like you've just said, has been absolutely crucial for you. Um, but mainly the amazing work that you've been doing has been that around suicide awareness and the risks involved. I know that we had a really interesting conversation, just me and you, as we always do, um, about the risk factors, people who are at a higher risk of suicide. Can you speak to us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, and I, um, I'm, I'm not a personal massive fan of stats when it comes to suicide. I really am not because at the end of the day, these are people's loved ones. These are people who've been lost to in the most awful and tragic and, and traumatic way. But at the, there's three really that I'll I always touch on because I think they're the most thought provoking. So um, we we do lose more than one person a week in Cumbria to suicide, mm. and it's it's getting worse. Um, and there's at-risk groups that we really need to keep an eye on. Um, so the, the people that fall into these groups, they are people with a serious mental health condition. People who have been bereaved by suicide are at greater risk mm-hmm. um, of completing suicide themselves. Um, new mums mm-hmm. who have given birth in the last 12 months for whatever reason that may be, whether um, they've they've lost their child. Um, they have a postnatal depression or psychosis or they don't have the means to bring bring their child up mm. um, it, and it's really difficult for them. And then um, we, we, we had um, top of the list and top of the bill for quite a long time has been young men between mm. the ages of 25 and 49. They were hit off the top spot last year by the older generation oh wow um because of um the loneliness that covid the covid crisis oh. caused so it's suicide doesn't discriminate it doesn't mm. matter it doesn't matter how much money you've got it doesn't mm. matter where you live it doesn't mm. matter who you've got around you sometimes you can feel 
um, the most lonely person in the world, even mm-hmm. in a room full of people. And it can hit any anybody, but these are the most at-risk group. Yeah, because um, I know you said when you were doing the work around this that it became um, really obvious that you fall into a couple of them yeah. categories as well. Um, so you you are in the at-risk category and I know you're doing amazing work um, raising awareness, but you, you obviously have to be aware of your own health at the moment as well. So I know that there's certain things that you stepping back from and concentrating on making sure you're all right but you've been doing absolutely amazing work can you tell us a little bit about a couple of the organizations that you've been doing work with um or or just where people can can find out more information yeah so from um from the the last podcast episode that we did which was and I can't believe it was 18 Mm -hmm. months ago like it it, it seems to have gone by such a flash um I was (laughs) I probably was quite naively expecting maybe 20 people at most to listen to that episode. And I think it's still up there as your top. Yeah, by far. I think, um, and that's been something that just from a professional point of view, I've really had to look at as to as to why. There's something in, in the title of that episode, um, and I think it is the word suicide mm-hmm. being in the title of that episode, but it is. It is more than double on the downloads of any of the other episodes. Um, so it, I think that just goes to show the importance of it. Um, Which blew my mind. Um, mm. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, um, and it, I've just laughed at myself saying that phrase because I realised I said it about 20 times in the last one. Um, so I'll try not to use that loads and loads and loads. Um, but on the back of that episode drop in, I, I couldn't believe the 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 doors that, you know, the people who were getting in contact with us, the doors that opened. It set off this ripple effect mm. of, you know, people um, and organisations wanting me to come on board and, and help out with what they were doing that I really wasn't expecting and I probably wasn't ready, mm. <laughs> ready for. Mm. Um, so I have been, so I think that was like May of 2021. And then in the July, um, I reached out to Every Life Matters, who are um, suicide awareness and prevention charity run um, throughout Cumbria. Mm-hmm. They do branch off into um, different, you know, they, they do training for different councils across the country as well um, in suicide awareness prevention. They touch on self-harm as well and just mental health in general. Um, and they've just started a new pilot program called Suicide Safest Girls, mm-hmm. where they are going into secondary schools, equipping because that's where we need to start, Jenna. Yeah, yeah. we need to infect young minds with the tools, um, the signposting mm-hmm. of where they can go if they're worried about themselves or somebody else, whether that be a friend or even a parent. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so they're, they're doing amazing work and I, I was aware of them, um, probably not like they weren't massive on my radar, but I was aware of them. And I reached out to them because they've got um, um, a little volunteering arm of like a peer support group for those who've been bereaved by suicide, which I thought like 
I would be perfect for. Yeah. Um. So I started that in the July, and basically what we were doing as a group of people was putting together what would go in a care package for um a family or loved ones who've recently been bereaved by suicide, because as much as the the police and the NHS are doing their best, they just don't have the funds or the boots on the ground to touch everybody. So when we lost my brother in 2015, we didn't even get a family liaison officer with the with the police. So we had we had nowhere to go. Every life matters weren't established then. I think mm-hmm. it's 2017 or 18 that they would establish. Yeah, they're still very new. Yeah. So it was kind of like where, where do we go? What, what mm. do we do? And there wasn't an awful lot out there apart from papyrus and, and sobs, which is um, survivors of bereaved by suicide, which there just wasn't a lot of choice. So we kind of felt like we were in limbo. Um, so they've branched out in the in the last 12 months, Every Life Matters have, into so many different kind of... To the point, matters. literally just before we came in here to start recording, I got a message through on my the app that my my daughter's secondary school have saying that there's um an every life matters session tonight for parents yeah. at the school um I just showed Lisa I was like wow so it just it, it is there I don't know if because we I work in this and you're you're in the awareness whether we spot it more I hope that's not the case I hope everybody is seeing the information and the information is getting out there as much as I feel like it is well um, it's funny you say that because in 2015, when I lost my brother, there was maybe, I think there was about eight or nine um, charities that were um, kind of dedicated to, you know, prevention of, of suicide. Um, not so many on the bereavement of suicide, um, you know, the support for that, but prevention of suicide. So you had your usuals, you know, the Samaritans, mm. Minder in there, um, Papyrus. Um, Calm Zone and the Campaign Against Living Miserably um, and a few others. Now, today, there are 23. Oh, amazing. So, you know, that's in seven years. That's a huge difference in a short space of time. It is, but what is it saying? Mm. And that's that's where I get worried because it it is saying that it's a bigger problem Mm. than is, is being talked about. And I've said that, and I know I get on my soapbox, I know I do. And I don't want to come across preachy. I really don't. I I, I want things to come from... Preachy or passionate, though. Passionate. Preachy or passionate. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So it's passion. It mm. comes from a, a place of pain mm. and passion. Mm. If I can be frank, mm-hmm. it really does. Crisis. Yeah. Um, and when we live in a crisis, you, ne- you need a bit of directive authority sometimes. Mm. And I know I'm only one person, but at least I'm still talking about it. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've declared public health emergencies for much less deadly mm-hmm. issues. We have. Mm-hmm. Why is this not being talked about? Wait, I mean, I'm, I'm astounded because in the last seven weeks alone, we, mm-hmm. me and you, mm-hmm. have lost two people. Mm-hmm. on the same street as us two people i was to going suicide. to touch on that and obviously we won't give any more no. details but the, the, they often talk about the knock-on effect of yeah. every suicide that happens and 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 135 people 
are affected by every one suicide. And I think that's that's a a perfect example of it in that, yeah, two people on our street, um, we're we're, within two doors of each other. Within two doors of each other. You know, we're living on that street. That the, the the days that happens, the weeks after that happens, it shakes a whole community, a neighbourhood. Um, yeah, I know. I, I checked in on on yeah. you when when both of that when that happened um, because I'm just aware that it's so close to you personally, but also physically in your vicinity. Yeah, how that would affect you, and I know how passionate you feel. So yeah, I mean, how does it make you feel when you hear? Um, it may, uh, my first thought always goes to the people who are left behind. Mm. It, it, it does because I know what's coming mm. and that's where my thought goes. And then I go to anger. Mm. I do at the, the system that we're in, the system that we're in where we can't get substantial help to people fast mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Not through want of trying, the NHS just don't have the funds there and that's not their fault, that's the government's fault. Mm. I'm not going to get political, by the way. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> um, but from, from our point of view, I know you keep saying you're just one person, but you are, you, are, you are just one person, but you're doing absolutely amazing things and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but for you, what, what, are the, what is the answer is not, but what are some of the answers? What could, we're never going to know what is the answer. If we knew what the answer was, then it would, the world would be a different place, wouldn't it? But what are some of the answers do you think? So top kind of three for me is mass education in schools mm-hmm. um, across the board. Yeah. Because like I said before, we need to infect young minds with the tools that mm-hmm. they need to combat and recognise when they're struggling mm-hmm. and we don't have that in place right now. Um, mass education in the workplace, mm-hmm. you know, we do have some um, companies obviously that are really turned on mm-hmm. to it and they, they understand the value and and how important that is but we need it to be more widespread and that's not an easy fix, mm-hmm. you know, it really isn't. Especially now as well, like the world we're living in, for the individual, but for the employers as well, we're in the cost of living crisis. It's going to affect individuals to a point where they are going to struggle. But at the same time, it's stretching employers and businesses yeah. to the absolute maximum where possibly mental health in the workplace is no longer a priority. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it ever even was, everyone's just going to be absolutely stretched. And the thing is, with mental health as well, somebody goes off ill with mental health it's not a a one day or two day or a one week Mm. you know I'm off for a week they're off you know it's a long term sick that Mm. they're off and then that has another knock-on effect because then you've got people who are left there to pick up another person's you know workload Mm. you know to be spread across so then that has that stressful knock-on effect which we know stress factors into mental health Mm. as well so it's it's a whole big picture. And then I think, honestly, my third one is um, better diagnostic criteria mm-hmm. for um, people who are put into the, the community mental health system because at the moment people are getting stuck in limbo. So they're either too well um, to be in or under a community mental health team, mm-hmm. but they're not well enough to work, but mm-hmm. then where do they go? Mm-hmm. Um, 
they don't have the money because they're not working to go private and yeah. have a private therapist. Um, or they are getting stuck in this vicious circle of self-perpetuating guilt of, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not well. I'm not well enough to work. I'm well enough to not be under a team. Yeah. And then that makes them unwell again. So they're under the team again. Mm-hmm. But then, and it, it just turns into this vicious, vicious circle. Um, and as well, there's an 18 month waiting list mm-hmm. to see a mental health team or to be, you know, referred to the likes of first steps. When people who were. Re- finding themselves in a suicide crisis, they need help now. Mm. They need help in that moment. You know, the crisis team, are uh, it's it's like putting a, a band-aid on a bullet wound. Mm. Um, and even then, it, that can kind of get a little murky because they don't have, they're stretched massively as well. Mm. So they can't see the people that ordinarily maybe 10 years ago that they, they used to see. They can only see them if they're um, at risk you know, to themselves or others, mm. like that is the that, that's the criteria. Yeah, <laughs> there is there is places locally as well, isn't there? No, um, the lighthouse at Carlisle yes. Eden Mind is an absolutely great resource that we've got locally. So definitely recommend people reach out to there. I can't remember off the top of my head their hours, but I know that they do. It's like six till eleven or something like that each yeah. Um, which can be really helpful for people when other services aren't open yeah um so i would definitely recommend people and obviously the samaritans are 24 hours a day seven days a week as well so they are always there there's there's lots there's loads and loads of different um like third sectors and charities now that offer a variety of Mm -hmm. ways to get in touch with people which i think is key as well jenna honestly like because some young people don't want to talk on the phone. They want they want that web chat. Yeah. They want the text service. Yeah. So the shout as well, which they're a text service. Mm-hmm. Calm zone, they're um, for young people as well. Um, so And that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's so many different roads and avenues yeah. that you can actually contact people on now as well. We'll put a load of links yeah. on... Um with the, the podcast description and information as well but obviously if anybody does want to discuss any further they can reach out to us at we can and and if it, even if it's us referring on to other organizations yeah. that are more um equipped but i would say you know because it's about i always think it's all very well and good as listing all of these organizations that are there to help and they are doing absolutely amazing work but but in that moment when people are in that moment, I'm just not sure they're reaching out for a web chat. I think there's got to be that, like you say, them tools have got to be there in their head. They've got to be already equipped with that because once they've got to that moment, they're not about to start a web chat. They're really not. No. Um. So them tools need to already be there, and like you say, embedded in our young people at an, mm-hmm. at an early age. Um. And conversations. Genuinely, I just think being able to talk about your thoughts and being able to share with even if you've got a one safe person that you can be really honest yeah. with and say when you're feeling that type of way um and just I really I really wish people would talk about it more in a kind of messages of hope where I often think about I wish I wish people 
could say, I don't know, I can't even really put my finger on it myself and I, and I don't want to say something I'm going to regret. But even in a way of people who are like survivors of suicide, yeah, being able to kind of publicly say, I am here now. I was there, but I'm here now and things are looking much better for me. And that's exactly what I do because I am, yeah. as, as well as being bereaved by suicide, I am a survivor of suicide. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I made an attempt when I was 19 mm-hmm. and, and I do that. And it, it's funny that you say that hope, that mm-hmm. that hope word is, oh, it's it's one of my favourites mm-hmm. because that is what's needed in the, in these things. And Every Life Matters tagline is striving for hope through action. Yeah. And that and that's what they're doing. So the, the things that they've set up in the last in the last year. So we've got the suicide safe communities, which me and you both mm-hmm. um did a talk on last December. Yeah. Um I did one in Carlisle with you at the cathedral, and then I did one out in Whitehaven. Yeah. Um out there as well, you know, talking about lived experience and that that hope. Yeah. It, it is that message of hope at the I end. Think it's the one thing that I think in in that moment people could cling to is that I am not gonna feel like this forever. Yeah. And because, there's a fine balance, though, Jenna, because you don't want to shove it in the face that you're all right yeah, and they're not. But, but so there's this a really is what fine I mean, balance. But how, how do we get that right? How do we have them conversations and say, "I promise you, you are gonna feel better." And and like, yeah, like you say, it is a fine balance because people in that moment almost don't want to hear it either. Because you've got but, to validate their feelings yeah. in that moment as well, because they are valid. Mm-hmm. They're really, really valid. But you have you've got to add that layer of that hope. layer of hope as a yeah. safety net mm-hmm. almost yeah there is hope I think that yeah if we're going to finish the conversation on anything I don't know what what message do you want what do you want your final message on this podcast because the other thing I do want to say to you is and we've had this conversation and I'm saying this as a professional although I always that that, that word and me professional but I'm going to call myself a professional so I'm coming from it from professionally but also as your friend I know you're going to take a little bit of a rest now just a little bit of a rest from your awareness um campaigning <laughs> as you do so tirelessly because I think it is important now for you to um just take a little bit of downtime and make sure you're looking after you as well and I am and I and instead and, and this is where I see how far I've come on my journey mm-hmm. and this is what I'm going to leave this with mm-hmm with this is how far I've come on my journey. I recognised that in myself before anybody else yeah. did this year. So November is notoriously a really hard month for me. That's when I lost my brother. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is what goes along with that people don't understand um, who've never been through, you know, suicide bereavement. It's not just one day mm. because a lot of the time that the person's maybe been missing, you know, there's there has to be um an autopsy so there's a long t- waiting time between you know them you know you're getting your news and them being laid to rest um so the whole month of november is not a good one for me um and every life matters have asked me to come on board as a trustee mm-hmm. which and that just goes to show how fa- just how far i've come on mm-hmm. my journey because they obviously see that what I have been doing, and as you so eloquently put it, tirelessly campaigning, um, because I am going to be totally upfront and honest, I feel exhausted because yeah. it is a little exhausting. 
but I would never stop. But I do need to take those breaks. Mm. So after this, yes. I'm parking it until the new year. Um, and I say that. <laughs> um, so let's see if I can stick to it. And I'm, you know, I'm under, um, I'm under strict instruction mm. um, that I need to stick to it. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's about that journey. There's hope in my journey. Yeah, that's my my final message to anybody. There is hope in my journey. So, to anybody listening who is maybe struggling um, and doesn't know where to turn to and doesn't know where to go, we're going to pop some links. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so many resources out there, you know, that that can help. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people. So I know every, every member of staff in Every Life Matters has either been through a suicide bereavement themselves or they're a survivor. Mm-hmm. So they have been touched by suicide. So they understand. They have that empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so, 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 so many resources out there. And it's just have some hope, please. It will get, get better. Yeah. And thanks so much for being here again and chatting to us some more. Thank you for absolutely everything that you've been doing in your campaigning and starting up the conversations always um and I'm gonna leave you with one very simple message you cannot pour from an empty cup well do you know something I was gonna say that before because I know I can't yeah so that's it you're refilling Um, your cup it's just a pause it's just a pause exactly I just need that time to rebuild my strength back up and don't get me wrong like in September, I, f- I felt spent. Mm. I felt really, really spent. And I knew I was spent and I knew why I was spent because I'd literally spent a full year um, running training sessions, mm. nearly a full year in fits and starts, running training sessions for my company, which is amazing. But I was spent because I put so much of myself into those mm. sessions um, because they need to resonate with people. They need it. With the, with the subject like suicide, they need to hit hard. Mm. They do. And I know I can't pour from a, an empty cup. And I was almost on empty and I'm just slowly starting to refill now. So I feel a lot better than mm. I do do did then now. But I still need to refill a little bit more yeah. and refuel, recharge so the batteries. It's time. It's time to do that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. And thank you for coming to chat to us. Um, but go refill your cup now, okay? Yeah, with some gin. thanks Jenna thank you for listening to the We Can Cumbria podcast if you're affected by any of the issues raised in any of our episodes and would like to talk then please do get in touch you can contact us via our Facebook or Instagram pages which you can find by searching We Can Cumbria